we're just meant to experience life and really enjoy it the small things the pecan pies and the leaves falling and if you get to the end of your life and you didn't fully live like that's that feeling of waste welcome to today's episode of passionate pursuits powered by corinth coaching llc i'm your host bridget corinth My mission for this podcast is to help you flourish by exploring how ordinary people are using their strengths in extraordinary service to the world and inspiring you to do the same. If you hang out in this community of dynamic visionaries long enough, you might just find yourself transformed. Subscribe now and check us out at quernscoaching.com. I'm joined today by piano jockey Orlando Diaz. His album Gray Shirt drops this week in just two days on December 8th. Thank you so much for joining us today, Orlando. What's up, Bridget? What's up? I am really excited to see where this conversation takes us. You never know with Orlando. So let's chat first. I know you made a big life change just in the past couple of years about getting serious with your music so what compelled you to make that change oh gosh uh when you know i i I was a financial advisor real estate guy for a good five years um and i guess it, it was it was the the spring summer of 2021 right yeah math math okay and I was, I was uh, a acquisition manager for a real estate company um, in Colorado, but they did business in Kansas City. So I would call people to buy their houses. Hmm. Um, and uh, that's uh, I had done that for like two months at this point. I'd probably gotten I think eight or nine um, properties under contract, um, and I was on a call with the CEO of the company, his name's Chris White. And he, he's, he's been a mentor of mine for a long time. Um, just someone I really look up to. I love his energy and I love, um, kind of just his perspectives on everything. Um, you know, on kind of like the mental game. Um, but him and I are talking, this guy's been in the real estate game for a long time. He's probably purchased close to a thousand houses um in his career so kind of a big deal in that area and yeah after these two months I I don't know I guess I was just I was starting to feel um that what I was I I don't know I'm trying to sound epic and deep but really I was just getting bored (laughs) um it, it wasn't exciting to me anymore uh, so him and I were talking, he asked me to do one of those like why questionnaires where you put in why you feel something and then you go down seven reasons why. Um, so like, I'm hungry. Well, why are you hungry? Because uh, I haven't eaten. Well, why haven't you eaten? Well, because I've been working. Well, why have you been working? Right. So you go down that and then there's this idea that after you go down seven layers, you really gotten down to like your 
your deep emotions, right? Mm -hmm. So I did one of those and I was I was stuck because I got to this point where like, well, because I, I think it, it was something like I didn't want to feel like a loser anymore. Mm. Um, and I don't remember what the other six things were, but that was like the bottom one, right? That deep emotional foundation one. Um, and again, that that conversation basically ended up with him saying, Orlando, I don't know what you're doing. You're better at music than I'll ever be at real estate. Uh, I give you permission to never make a phone call for us again. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel just do what you got to do. And that was it. You know, I, it was, it was really hard for me to, to come to that realization, even after he said that, because Chris had poured so much into me, um, you know, and we were, we were like the acquisition team for this big real estate company. It was me and this other guy. And I just felt like, oh man, am I just going to leave this guy? And what was really, really powerful about it was he told me like, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to build a world-class sales team. Right. And if that's not something that you want, well, then you're not doing me any favors by sticking around. Right. It's, it's my joy to help men discover what they're meant to do in this life. And if that was, you know, what I was meant to do for you, then go do it. Um, so, yeah, this whole conversation, I, I think, was that pivoting point for me to get back into music. Um, that day after that call, I, I really never made another phone call again to the people of Kansas City to buy their houses. <laughs> uh, and, and I called my friend Tom, and he, he owns a venue. Um, up by Lake Ontario, and I booked a concert mm. for myself. Um, and it was a really cool kind of. I didn't. I didn't really talk about it per se, but uh, it, it was like a, a welcome back party for myself. I did the concert. We had like this big after party on the beach, um, and then after that, I started. Uh, applying for agents, you know, representation with an agency. And yeah, ever since then, I mean, I've played in theme parks, cruise ships, and now I've got my album, I'm writing a book. There's just a lot of creative pent-up energy from the last five years that's finally coming out. Hmm. How instrumental was having a mentor to speak that into your life? Do you think you would have arrived there without that eventually maybe, or not at all? Yeah, I think Chris was like part of a three to four part mentor head uh, of, you know, just men in my life who were kind of strategically placed there um, to influence all the specific parts of my life. Um so yeah, I mean, having a mentor, having having someone that maybe hasn't been where you exactly are, but maybe they're where you want to go, right? Mm -hmm. Or they they have something that you want. Maybe you you admire their life or their the way that they do things, the way they talk. You know, um, that's 
I mean, that's been really powerful for me. Um, just because I think our friends, the, the, the friends that we end up with oftentimes aren't really our choice. You know, we go to work and we have this particular friend group or you go to church and it's, it's just like the people that are there, right? Um, and I think what's valuable about seeking mentors who aren't in those circles um, is obviously like a change of perspective, but it, it adds this idea that like you're in control now, like you, you're not just the product of your environment, but you're actively seeking out who you want to become um, and who you want to be around you. Yeah, that was my next question for you was how did you find those mentors? Did they naturally walk into your life or was there a process of seeking them? Um, good question. Um, I'm going to say, I suppose Facebook <laughs> Facebook advertising helps. Um, it, it's, a, it's such a two-edged sword because you'll be talking about I don't know, Pampers one day, and then <laughs> you'll start getting a bunch of ads for Pampers. Um, so there's that weird part of it. But then there's like the fact that I was struggling in my marriage, right, two something years ago. And I don't know. I mean, it's not like it's not like a, something that I was super open about with people, but Facebook knew. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they hooked me up with this group called it's called the bulletproof husband shout out to them um and through that group i've met like i'd say like two guys who really have solidified themselves in my life as as top tier mentors um to to work through marriage problems but like like that marriage didn't survive, but I think what came out of that was rebuilding the man that I want to be, right? Rebuilding the man that I believe God has made me to be. Um, so that, I, and that's also how I met Chris. Chris like did some Facebook advertising for this uh, group he had called Extraordinary Society. And it was like an online marketing company that I think we were selling like water purifiers at the time. I, I say that I didn't know because the reason I joined had nothing to do with the water purifiers. It had everything to do with Chris. I loved his energy. He like put out these hmm. videos and he would put videos out all the time. Uh, and it was all just like mindset stuff, right? And I think when someone starts their entrepreneurial journey, usually like in the world of sales or something, um, that that's really like, it's just gold for them, right? It's something that they listen to every day. People will listen to Tony Robbins, Dean Graziosi, these guys who they just talk and they're, they're really passionate when they talk and the things they're talking about are really empowering. Um, and that was Chris's goal. He wanted to become like a Tony Robbins type and, and help like a million people. That was his goal. Um, so that's how I met him. I would say Aaron Halterman, um, back when I was uh, kind of full-time with Primerica, same thing. I had a friend, um, Allison, who introduced me to him, um, and he kind of taught me that, like, face-to-face -face energy, how to connect with people and how to um, 
bring them value. I mean, I worked with this guy so closely for a good three to four years um, in all aspects of life. I mean, we would talk business, we'd talk marriage, uh, we would talk about Jesus, everything. Um, and it, it was all just very, yeah, like it, it's both what they say and I think how they say it that transforms a guy. So that's a bit about where, what you went through finding mentors and, and all the spaces you occupied before you really got back to music. But can you tell us a bit about your experience with music, maybe as a child or growing up? My dad, he just kind of forced me to practice piano all the time. Um, people will be like, oh, you have this natural talent and we can tell that you love it. Yeah, I mean, now. <laughs> I think when I was six, I was just as bad as any of your kids would be or as anyone else's kids would be. I kind of have this this anti-opinion about like the, even the existence of talent. Hmm. The, there was literally nothing in my growing up that would indicate that I would be good at piano um, or music. I think ADD or ADHD, whatever it is, maybe is a good indicator. Um, but when I when I was a kid, I think I started at six years old. My dad just decided that I was going to be a pianist. Um, I mean, he'd always known that that was going to be something I did because to him, taking piano lessons was just like school. You can't quit school, so you're not going to quit piano. Um, and I remember, like, I did karate as well. And I don't know. It was I don't remember what the context was, but my dad gave me, like, the choice. You can either quit piano or you can quit karate, right? So I'd already spent so much time in piano that it was karate. But um, I wanted to quit piano for so long, uh, and he just, like, didn't let me. <laughs> uh, so when I graduated high school, it's really all I knew how to do. And so I, you know, applied for conservatories. I applied for pretty much every major conservatory in the United States. Um, and I finally got into Eastman, which wasn't like my top choice, um, but it was the best choice. Again, this idea that I wasn't really, <laughs> I was just along for the ride. Um, I think my my top school was like in Boston. It was either the New England Conservatory or the Boston Conservatory. And the reason for that was because they had a dance program and dancers are hot. So <laughs> I could like play piano for the dance classes. So that was something I started doing my last year of high school. I really liked it. I really liked like making up music on the spot and having little uh, pretty girls dance to it. So I, I honestly, I thought that was like my dream job. Uh, so after college, I did that. I accompanied for a lot of dance around New York. I worked at Brockport and Nazareth and the U of R. Um, I did stuff with the Rochester City Ballet, with the New York State Ballet. Uh, so, you know, like this dream job, but then that became boring. And so, um, like my dream job became a nightmare kind of thing. But That's so funny that these jobs became boring to you or, you know, when you're seemingly excelling at them and it's something that you should be enjoying that they just become boring. 
how did you identify then what wouldn't be boring to you? Um, I'm still figuring that out. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I guess, I, I'm, I guess I'm still just a work in progress and I'm figuring out like, is it okay to be bored? Um, if it's something that's good, you know, like my most recent gigs have been on cruise ships and I, it's like literally perfect. It's the Orlando show for four hours a night and people will just sit for all four hours and watch me do what I do. Right. Um, and it's, it's exhausting to just sit there and play for four hours and sing and crack jokes and, and talk with people. Um, and it's also like very transient. I don't know. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot, you know, but I'm only on the ship for like two months at a time. And then I take a one month vacation. Um, so then like any friends I make, they leave or I leave and, and then I do it all over again. And especially like with cruises, these are guests that are coming on the ship for like three to four, five days a, at a time. And they come and we become close. I might party with them. I might go do something fun when we go to Cozumel or Progresso or something. And then they leave and I do it all over again. And even that's exhausting. And sometimes I don't want to do it, but I suppose I there's like this intellectual side of me that's like, no, this is the Orlando show. This is four hours of just me. And that's awesome. And I need to keep that in mind. Um, but there's, there's no telling. Cause I, I remember I was in Orlando, Florida, visiting my friend Shara at a howl at the moon, which is a dueling piano franchise. Um, and she invited me to come up on stage and play with her. And I think we did like, don't stop believing or something. And I, got up and was jumping around for a shout chorus and then when i finished the recruiting director uh of the whole company he's there he starts trying to recruit me real hard and i told him i don't know man i like cruise ships i like having my own show and he said well one day you're gonna get tired of cruise ships and when you do call me um so i started that conversation actually with him just a, a couple of weeks ago saying, okay, I might be getting tired of cruise ships. <laughs> uh, so we'll see where that goes. You've done dueling pianos before, correct? At an amusement park? Yes, yeah. We did like a Halloween-themed dueling piano thing. We had like costumes and everything. Uh, yeah, that was that was fun. That was It was different. I think the thing with dueling pianos is you got to have really good energy back and forth with the other person mm -hmm. um and i'm a real snob for banter like if if a band's banter or if a solo artist's banter isn't great it just kind of it's like if if you dropped food on the ground and then you picked it back up to eat it right that's what bad banter for me is like like the food's still good but ugh. yeah yeah the energy just drops that was a great analogy. That was, yeah. it, it like makes no sense. You walked me right there. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're getting bored with something, how do you know what kind of change you actually need? Like, how do you identify that for yourself? Um, that's a good question too. I think when I, 
initially like when I got tired of music because music had been such a big part of my life it was like both getting tired of it but also kind of being scared I remember there was this old lady who also is a pianist in Rochester and I thought she was just garbage but she was my competition and I thought to myself is that what I'm gonna turn into Am I going to become this old lady that makes the same amount of money that I currently do playing like the same shows for 45 years? And that question just haunted me. It never occurred to me that, I don't know, maybe she was enjoying herself, mm. you know, that maybe this was just something she did for fun. Um, but that, that just scared me. And so my response to that was to do something completely different, mm-hmm. right? It was to, uh, before doing finance, I was an energy rebate specialist uh, for an energy company, right? So I, I just went completely the other way. And, you know, I still did music because I needed like a job per se, um, because energy rebate specialist isn't like a full-time thing. Um and even when I was, you know, a financial advisor, I still did music on the side for a couple of reasons. I mean, it's always nice to just have something. What am I trying to say? Stable, stabler, right? Because working in finance, I'm usually just working at, in the evenings because that's when people have time to meet. Um, so it gave me something to do during the day. Um, but I, I mean, it was always with this idea that I'm going to completely never do music again. Um, I'm just holding out for the time. And so I think for the last two years or so um, that I was a financial advisor, I literally didn't do any music at all. Um, I even took a, get this, I even took a job at a call center, right? That's how crazy out of it I was I decided you know what this really good pianist should spend his time doing he should he should take phone calls for AT&T customers who want to cancel and he should try to convince them not to cancel their AT&T right oh my gosh how funny it is funny but I'm noticing and I don't know if you've noticed this before there is a very clear common thread among all of these paths you've pursued do you see it? I, I don't know. I'm really bad at <laughs> noticing patterns. So, because I'm a man. <laughs> I mean, or it could be your Myers Briggs type, you know. Just, <laughs> just blame it on the personality type. Yeah, I, it's not I, my fault for sure. What I'm seeing is you always look for an outlet for your charisma. Oh my gosh. So, whether it's making phone calls to people and convincing them of something, or teaching people about financial planning that takes charisma for them to believe that what you're saying is valuable and they ought to do that or you know fill in the blank on every other thing literally everything you've just talked about mm-hmm. involves you having an outlet for your charisma in some way so perhaps it wasn't musical performance but it's performance that's interesting i never thought of that hmm. And also, I think you're the only human alive who calls music a stable job. 
They're like, That's oh yeah, funny. I needed something stable. Oh sure, because being a geek musician is super stable. Nine to five. No, it's 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 the like if I'm accompanying dance classes. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Something, just... you know, but you're you're right. That that is funny. And I think that was something that I never I, I guess I took it for granted yeah. that, that I was literally making a living doing music. And even if it wasn't music that I liked doing, it was still a skill and, and whatnot. Yeah, I see that a lot in people who have a gifting that is so natural to them that they almost don't notice how close to home it sits. So for you, music is, you are so incredibly talented and music is such a joy to you that it's just natural. So you almost overlook it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. How did you ultimately know that you weren't fully pursuing your passion? I guess I I never thought of it as passion. I kind of didn't like the whole passion mindset um, when it came to uh, careers, um, which is a, it's from a book I read. Um, I don't remember, I don't remember the name of the book, but it talked about how we've been pushing this idea of pursuing passions ever since like the eighties or something. Mm -hmm. And that's created like the least happy workforce (laughs) in the history of mankind. Um, because people think that that means, well, I really like surfboarding, so I need to be a surfboarder full time. And maybe that's not exactly what that means, because mm-hmm. he poses that the other way to look at career is a capital gaining or acquiring capital. Capital in the sense that you're like gaining skills. So like if you're skill. Yeah. If your skill or if your passion is something like partying, maybe you take a job as an event planner, right? Or a nightclub promoter or, you know, these jobs specifically so that you can get certain skills in order to do. So so you can kind of like level up that career into something you're passionate about. And I'm probably butchering that whole concept. Um, but I suppose for myself, now that, I, I look back at the journey that got me here. Um, it's it's not anything that I can like pinpoint my thought process. I don't I don't know that I'm a super intuitive guy, um, and I don't know that I really know what's going on most of the time with myself. And and I think that's changed because as a financial advisor, I thought about this stuff a lot, right? about like my motivations and whatnot. And ever since kind of landing on, I'm gonna be a musician uh, and I'm gonna figure out what that looks like later. <laughs> I suppose it, it is just a feeling. Um, it's a it's an apathy. And I think because I've gotten bored with my jobs so often that like I'm starting to become a very, cynical of my own boredom which I hope leads to more stability again with with my choices so 
you know, it's not like I'm going to completely leave music like I did before, right? Um, you know, maybe it's that, like, for instance, you know, when I played at the theme park, I only did that for a few weeks, right? And then that was all it took to realize, okay, I'm bored of that. That doesn't mean I'm going to leave music. It's just I'm going to leave theme park. But then I got into cruise ships, and that was really fun. And I've been doing that for like six months, seven months now. And maybe I'm getting bored of that now. So maybe the, the next thing is, uh, you know, doing this, like a doing piano thing on land or just pursuing my own music on land. Um, you know, so we're having this conversation in a very transient part of my life. It'll be funny to listen to this a few months uh, from now and see where life has taken me. If you could design your ideal experience for work or for performing your music that you feel like maybe you wouldn't get bored at, what would that look like? I suppose it would be a combination of performing, partying, creating. I think Partying takes the most energy. Performing takes slightly less energy. And then creating is very, it's like very zen for me. I like the idea of doing the very like romantic. Mahler goes into the woods and he has a cabin that he composes in by a lake. I love that. But then I, I think partying is like the most important thing a human being can do to force themselves into a high energy environment and force themselves to like connect with people in that high energy environment. I think that's really valuable. And then performing is obviously like where I get probably the most instant feedback on who I am as an artist, like, a, like the energy from the audience. And I get to figure out like what works and to like, like a comedy thing, right. Um, with, with my show on the ship, it's, it's very much like a, a, a comedy show. Um, and the only reason I, I think about that is because they, they would give me a family friendly show from nine to 11 PM and then adult, an adult show from 11 to 1 PM or AM. So the only other acts that had that kind of, distinction where the comedians so i'm like okay well that makes sense i'm making fun of people and i'm being raunchy when i do it so we'll figure out what works and i definitely learned some things that didn't work um which we won't <laughs> we won't talk about so so that's that's where like the performing energy is it's kind of like a mixture of partying and creating because i'm I'm creating on the spot, getting instant feedback because I'm also partying while I'm performing. I am like leading the party. And like, Bridget, I've never done that before. I think that, that's a crazy thing. Like I went from, um, you know, being a financial advisor to being a musician. Um, like I, I, I've, I've never just like had my own show for four hours that people actually like sat and listened to. And I, I had like a big crowd every night kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and there was a things that, you know, now I'm thinking like, oh, man, there's all these people here. How do I cater to all of them? How do I keep the energy up? 
how do I how do I like manage that energy, you know, so that I'm not like killing myself for an hour straight on like really high energy songs? And how do I keep this cute girl from leaving? Right. So how how, how much Taylor Swift can I get away with playing right now? There, there's so many considerations that go on when I'm like playing in a piano bar setting um, that I'd never been aware of. Also, I'd never sung before. Mm. Like I, I went to school for classical piano and I took some voice lessons, but most of the vocal learning I did was actually vicarious by accompanying like singers. Uh, like uh, when I was in, in the conservatory, I, I would accompany uh, like three to four singers uh, a semester, which means I would go into their voice lessons. So I would spend three to four hours a week in these voice lessons where I only spent like one hour in my own lesson, right? Um, so I had that vicarious training, but yeah, like for myself, I'd never, I've never gotten paid to sing, right? Um, which I think was the other interesting thing about working on these ships is that like my piano playing is certainly part of it but some of these other piano guys and i hope that they're listening i love you guys but your piano playing is awful right your singing is probably not that great either but you guys are like fun guys and and people like you because you you got that great energy and that's all that really matters um but like i said like i've never and so i would like lose my voice sometimes because i didn't really know what i was doing that was always really scary for me but then that becomes a consideration how do i keep people um interested and enjoying themselves when i sound like a dying cow <laughs> caroline <laughs> so it sounds like this cruise ship experience really was quite a pinnacle for you yeah but even then you said the cruise ships have begun to cause you boredom uh-huh. so in what sense is that seeped in in the sense that I work four hours a night, um, and then during the day, what do I do? We we go to cool places, um, and by that, like I don't know. I got into cruise ships thinking, oh, I'm gonna travel the world. Really, I just go to like Cozumel all the time, um, and so I I know the island of Cozumel very well, um, but it's not like I have friends there that I visit, right? And it's not like I'm there. I don't, it's it's a weird, it's a very weird life because if I do go out, you know, we're going to either like the it's called the No Name Bar or um, this resort called El Cid, right? And El Cid is like a cool place to just chill, but the No Name Bar is like where all the crew goes to party, right? Um, so there, there's partying during the day, um, and then I go take my pre-show three-hour nap. <laughs> and I go, I go do my show. So I don't know. I guess that's what I'm tired of. Like, and then on sea days, like, what's a guy to do? Like, I'm on the boat. I, I know the boat. I can't really like do anything on the boat. Um, I mean, I can, but I've, I've done it all already, right? Um, so in, in that regards, I think like I don't know how people can work on ships for like more than ten years because it, it, it's great money. Right. And you're not spending any of it. And I think that's what makes the cruise ship gig so magical. Like even if like if you're if you're only making like two grand a month on a ship, that's two grand of basic profit. Right. Which most of middle America 
isn't making two grand of profit, right? Because it's all going to bills and stuff. Handlebar guys on the ships, we're pulling in between eight to 10 grand a month after like salary and tips. And that's all just like profit, right? So, and I, I feel really blessed because that money has allowed me to pay for making this album, right? I haven't done any like crowdfunding or, you know, Kickstarter campaigns or anything. It's all been like money that I've made and it's all just gone directly into this. And I've got a book coming out too, right? A book of short stories. That's like 12 grand. So my cruise of money going into that. Like it's it's really cool, but you know, life isn't all money and then your quality of life and how you spend your time is super important. And I miss having a community of people. I guess I, I miss people getting annoyed by me and I miss getting annoyed by people. Like that's how you know you're living life. Is there, if there's someone maybe in your family or, or a coworker that you see all the time and you just don't get along with them, and you can't like not deal with them. I feel like that's true life, right? Living on a cruise ship and not having to deal with any problems, that's not life. I miss having a life. Yeah, so speaking of your album, what inspired the music on Gray Shirt? Yo, the music on Gray Shirt is so good. Um let me just let me just start off by saying that. Um well, it is. I've heard it. Just for our listeners, I got a sneak peek of it, and it is a whole story. So, yes, go purchase your copy. Yo, it's so good. Um, so the music has been, uh, I guess, birthing around in me for a good 10 years. Um, it's funny because I actually played the album for my mom yesterday, and she recognized one of the songs from, like, when I was a sophomore in college. Wow. Right? absolute nut job and what what was really special about that is that it's not the same song from a, a long time ago um like the lyrics have changed and the concepts have changed um but i think that so gracia is is my firstborn child uh from a like 10-year pregnancy yeah that's that gestation is way too long yeah, um, I, I've performed these songs, but I, but not really. I feel like not a lot of people have heard any of them. Um, like I, I used to do these concerts at Eastman. They they weren't just classical music, um, and so one of the formats of recitals that I would do would be music that I wrote. So some of this music, you know, has been performed in those concerts. But the, uh, I guess what inspired it was just life. Um, I think future albums is going to be a lot more, I guess, progressive, like in the realm of like Rush meets Jacob Collier meets Mumford and Sons meets like the Alan Parsons project. I think the Casey talked about like all my songs are like three songs in one kind of thing. Um, And they, I, I really love transitional work to going like going in between songs, but even having these transitional moments in songs where I'm saying things not with words, but musically I'm trying to get the listener from one concept to another. The whole of uh, the album Gray Shirt is a metaphor 
for the unexamined life, which is Socrates that talks about the unexamined life as not being worth living. I think the album Gray Shirt is a celebration slash critique of the unexamined life um, because there are times where it's better that way because otherwise you'll get kind of this paralysis by analysis of your own life. But then if you go too far, then you just drift through life and then you're 75 years old and you haven't done anything, right? Um, so I think that's the underlying metaphor of every song on the album. Um, and sometimes it's explicit um, and other times it's it's not so much. Like I have this song, Life is So Easy, that lyrically goes all over the place from being pro-unexamined life to, hey, what are you doing with your life? Didn't you want to be a superhero when you grew up? What happened to you? What happened to that? Right? Um, which I think the... I think the humor of it is the song's called Life is So Easy, but it's not. You have to balance both of those things. This idea that life is something that you both experience and you watch. And knowing how to do that and being able to do both kind of at the same time is is really valuable because that's how like that's how memories are made is when you like step back and look back right but like how do you have those experiences while you're having them um like when in in the office when andy says i wish there was a way to know that you're in the good old days before you've left them the that whole that requires such a examination and awareness of what you're going through but then you have to turn that off so that you can actually experience whatever you're going through uh -huh. yeah there's this contrast between being present in the moment but also almost banking that moment so that you won't lose it mm -hmm. and i know i will purposefully this is i guess this is really dark and depressing <laughs> but when Great. i'm really yeah let's go when i'm really excited about something so maybe a trip or seeing someone who i haven't seen in a long time or whatever it might be going into that experience i will tell myself this is already over before it has begun because i want myself to really be intensely present and enjoying those moments while I have them because they're so fleeting. Yeah. And then I'll remember when it's about to be over. Oh, I remember I told myself this was already over and look, it's over. Huh. And like, it's just a, an awareness of you can't, you cannot hold anything in life firmly. Everything passes away. Yeah. And it might sound depressing, but it's also really important for us to sort of sit with that in a healthy way and say, okay, 
I'm about to have this experience. And if I really want it to be everything that I'm hoping it will, and then I have to come at it with a level of presence that I don't normally do. I don't normally show up in. Yeah. So you've come back to music and maybe music wasn't necessarily ever your dream as a child. I don't know. Was it, was it ever your dream as a child or was it, was there something else? Was it just what you naturally fell into? I didn't dream as a child. I, I really liked whales. We, I was born in Puerto Rico. We moved to America when I was eight. So I like was learning the language. And I remember I would get really into whales. Like I would get books of whales from the library. And I think, I don't know, it's funny because I feel like any other parents would have been like, oh man, Orlando's really into whales. Let's encourage that and let's, you know, take them to marine biology school or camp, right? Um, Outside of SeaWorld, I still have never seen a whale, which that's really frustrating working on a cruise ship. Where are the whales at? Come on. I saw a lot of seals. Man, stupid seals. Loud and stinky. I... Hey, what was the question? <laughs> well, we were talking about, you know, childhood dreams. Like, do do any yeah. of us actually ever end up in what we dreamed as a child? I wanted to be an archaeologist in Egypt. Thank God Yo. I didn't follow that, though. Indiana Jones. <sighs> that sounds terrible now, though. I hate the heat. <laughs> it's dry heat. It would have been so boring and so tedious. I hate tedious jobs. So uh-huh. good, good thing I never followed that. I suppose, yeah. But I just, it's like so many parents now, they're like, oh, this kid's really into running around like a maniac. He's probably going to be a great football player. I don't know. Like, my, my dad saw me really interested in, in whales, and my dad was like, cool, keep him in piano lessons. <laughs> I, got, I'm, I am grateful for it. Um, I think there's this level of foresight that parents need to have that their parent or that their kids literally can't have because they're babies. Um, so listening to our kids too much is not a good idea. But um, no, there there wasn't any sort of like dream of fame or anything, um, which I think is good. I mean, that means I'm not letting myself down. Oh, right. That's so sad. <laughs> it's all nurture your life has just been full of nurture and and that's it mm-hmm. do you even know what your nature is orlando oh my gosh well did you see soul the that yes. disney pixar movie where like that doodle lady was like oh humans and their you know obsession with purpose i'm like oh my gosh that that's not a thing which even that was like really let's let's talk about disney and pixar for a second and how they don't make kids movies anymore like that was profound i mean the first time i saw it it didn't quite mean anything but the second time i saw that movie and i realized like we're just meant to experience life and really enjoy it 
the small things, the pecan pies and the leaves falling. Like, and if you get to the end of your life and you didn't fully live, like that's that feeling of like waste, right? I don't think it has anything to do with career, right? People don't wish that they had spent more time at work, right? They, they wish they had spent more time with family and experiencing so that when they are on that deathbed, all they can think of is how rich and present their existence has been. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I do call this passionate pursuits, but I will put a little asterisk there. I believe that when we find something that really lights us up with joy, there is a almost like a life mission connected to that. Okay. There is a seed and a reason that was planted within us why those things bring us great joy. And I don't think we should ignore them. And I don't necessarily think, like you said, that means I need to go out and become the next great surfer if I love being on a surfboard. Mm -hmm. don't always have to monetize what it is that brings us joy. But finding a way to incorporate the things that bring you joy in your daily life, even in yeah. little ways, is so important. So, yes, this is about passionate pursuits. This is about finding the things that either you are naturally gifted with, your, your strengths, and your, your values, your virtues, your giftings, and bringing those in service to the world in some way, because that's going to bring you joy. And that's going yeah. to cause fulfillment in your life, which is a buzzword that everyone's about right now. <laughs> but what does that really mean? It just means that you are fully experiencing life because you're approaching it with your greatest skills in hand. That's all. Yeah. And it and it causes you to flourish, which is to have this sense of wholeness and full experience of life and to get some joy from that. And yeah. that's really happiness is the currency of humanity, not money, not experiencing different things. It's the happiness that we draw from it. So I don't think it's wrong for you to say okay, I was happy with this experience, but it's bringing me boredom now. In what ways can I seek to make myself happier? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the goal. Yes, just what you said. Yeah, I think that last thing you said reminded me that like all those years as a financial advisor, it was something that I was passionate about because like I had been ripped off by the financial industry you know there was this like negative thing that happened and i wanted to write that not not just in myself but in others right um and so for a good three four years that's all i i talked about and i think people were annoyed uh potentially with the fact that all i ever talked about was it but like after my marriage you know, broke apart. And I joined this, this tribe of men that had also had their marriages broken up. Like for a good year, 
all I ever talked about was male female dynamics and and men's roles in families um and all this stuff you know so that had this negative thing that brought with it like you said a mission right um and like it's not like i'm going to become a marriage and family counselor um or even like just a therapist but i've had some really powerful breakthroughs with some men who never learned how to release their emotions which is something i'm all of a sudden really good at not all of a sudden but like i spent a year developing this practice of dealing with my emotions um and so sharing that with men is really powerful for me um but, you know like it's not like you get you can't make those decisions as a kid you know you can't be like you know what's really important for me marriage <laughs> like no no kid does that right uh, i mean potentially but yeah like the the stuff that that we end up being caring about is always in response to something that happens in our lives you know it, it can't really come from a vacuum i think that's where i struggle with like the concept of talents or passions from when we're young when you're young you're coming from a vacuum right yes genetics exist and family history exists but you just started like there's there's nothing there there was no orlando before i was born right to influence the orlando that was born right you know what i mean i don't know yeah unless your soul is infinitely existing then perhaps there wasn't an orlando but there was an Orlando behind the Orlando that did influence you in some way, but who knows? Mm -hmm. There comes a time in each one of my interviews where I throw five completely random rapid fire questions at you and you answer them with the first thing that comes to mind. Uh -huh. So here we go. Oh boy. Is shape shifting real? Do don't dogs can shape shift. Who is the bravest person, you know, George Washington. What book do you recommend everyone read? The Subtle Art of Not Giving a... F what is the most beautiful place you've visited? A woman. And finally, on the playground, you can always find me on the blank. Wall ball court. Of course, where else? If any of our listeners would like to connect with you, order a copy of Gray Shirt, or find out more about the other projects you're up to, what is the best way for them to do that? You can follow me on Instagram, Orlandito Buenos. Um, it's Orlandito, like little Orlando, because my dad's name's Orlando. And then Buenos, like Buenos Dias, because my last name's Dias. So Orlandito Buenos. Um, I also have a website, OrlandoDiazPiano.com, um, and that'll have... Uh, where you can pre-order the album and uh, keep up with all the stuff I'm doing. Cool. And we will put links to those in the show notes as well. So everyone can have those as a resource, but yeah, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. This was a blast. High five. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of Passionate Pursuits, powered by Corns Coaching, LLC. 
Don't miss an episode. Subscribe now. This show is completely ad-free, so if you gain value from listening, please leave a review and share with a friend. I am so grateful for you.